Jonathan's coming on, beautiful. All right, today's daf is daf memtes, page 49 in the Heilig Meseches Ksubis. And we pick up from the very top word on daf memtes, Amud Aleph. All right, now let's remind ourselves, we, we've been learning about here is the change that a um, the young woman goes through when there's a transfer from the original home to the home of the uh, to the home of the husband and then we described as well the you know what happens if there's shlichim if there's messengers of the father handing her over to the messengers of the husband now the gemara gets into it's going to ask a uh, general shaila all right a general question and the gemara wants to know you know based upon the pasuk that we mentioned earlier where the transfer happens when she leaves her father's home and gets handed over to the husband's domain. So says the Gemara, Maybe we should learn out from the Pasuk, which tells us that she went from her father's house to the husband's house, that let's say the, um, that you know, she were to go ahead with the shluchim of the Baal, with messengers of the husband. And then along the way, she changes her mind. And she wants to go back to her father's home. So the bottom line is, we should say, that now that she's going back to the father's home, maybe you have that capability, and she's not forever in the domain of the husband. Because handing her over in and of itself does not necessarily make the nesuin. So, she didn't act, did she actively move into her husband's domain? No. Was she now going with the messengers of the husband? Yeah, granted, yes. But she never actually moved in. She's going back. So maybe if she goes back, she should actually go back to her father's domain. That's the Gemara making an assumption. But unsure, we're saying, maybe that's, maybe this is not true. So the Gemara says, Amar Rabba, Rabba says, Hahu kvar paska toni debe Rabbi Shmol. This has already been paskened in the yeshiva of Rabbi Shmol. Toni debe Rabbi Shmol. We learned in the yeshiva of Rabbi Shmol. V'neidra amana grusha kol asher asher al nafshi akam the nether, the oath of a of a widow or a divorcee, everything that she forbids on herself, Yaqum remains on her. What does this mean over here? That that if you have a widow or a divorcee, her vow remains on her. What does that mean? What would I, what else would I have thought? You have a single woman, she's not married, she's a widow. So what do you, who else is going to have the ability to nullify her vows? Of course, it's Pashat that this is completely in her domain. Ella, rather, if, we're, if there's going to be a novel idea, a Chiddush over here, the Chiddush has to be where the father handed her over to the Shluchim, to the messengers of the husband. Okay. Or messengers of the father give over the messengers of the husband. And then along the way, they find out that no, they're actually good. The, the husband already uh, gave a get. Or the husband dies and now she's a widow. So what does the Pusuk say about such a situation? Do we consider her to be in, her, in the father's home? Because Lemaisa, practically speaking, she never really entered the husband's home. Or maybe we should, or maybe we should say that she's already considered in the husband's domain because she's with those messengers. Rather, so comes along the Pasuk, teach me a Chiddush and say, even if there's one moment where 
the even if it was for a split second where the domain changed, it doesn't need to be, you know, uh, that there was there was actually uh, an entering into the new domain. But as long as there was an exit from the Abs domain, shuv in the he now lost his rights over the the ability to to nullify the vows, and we know that it's not happening now. We don't know necessarily that it's got to stick with with the husband. We know, but we, we the one thing we know is to answer our question. Maybe she goes back to the husband to the father's rights of the nullification. The answer is no. Once the father loses his rights to nullify the vows, that's going to happen forever. That's what we learned out from the pasuk. Amar of Papa, Rav Papa says, as soon as she started walking with messengers of the husband, that's right. With the messengers of the husband, even of the future husband. Correct. Well, he's really her husband already. They just didn't move in yet. Yeah. Okay. Right. They didn't have the nesuin yet, and it's usually the nesuin that where the transfer of the rights to nullify the vows happens. Over here, we're saying that you can have a scenario where if the father handed her over not to the husband's home but to the husband's agents. Under those circumstances, he already lost his rights to nullify her vows. Story over, he's never getting that back. Question answered. All right? Omar of Papa. Rav Papa says, you should know, we even learned in a Mishnah, the halacha is, one who uh, who's, uh, has bia with a nara hamurasa, enoi chayov, ad shehe nara besula muurasa vehibe the only time you're going to extract that particular penalty of a nara murasa, which is skila, we know it's unique, right? Uh, other the uh, other extramarital affairs, the penalty, the consequence is going to be chenek. However, we learned the nara murasa, who's a besula, she gets stoning. It's specifically true if she's still bevesavia. Once she left bevesavia, once she was handed over to somebody who's not in the father's house, so the penalty changes. It makes sense. The mission says that only if she's a Nara and Nara by Geras we know that all true. Right? We had the Drasha from the Psukin. The only time you're going to have the obligation of Skila, of stoning by the Nara Murasa is if she's in a stage of Nara, if she only has Arisin, and if she's a Basula. We know that. Okay, we, we've discussed that many times. However, the part of the Brysa which just said that she also has to be in her father's home. Where do you get that from? Isn't it coming to exclude a case where the father is giving over to the messengers of the husband? And you see, even in such a case, there's not going to be stoning. There's going to be chenek. Why? Because it must be she's no longer considered mu'urasa gavaldik. So this brisa very much works in tandem with the halacha that we were stating, which is that even if the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband, she, that, that's, that is the nesuit. Okay. Last halacha before we get to the Mishnah. Amr Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, We also learned in the Mishnah, Habal Eish one who has relations with a married woman, once she enters her husband's domain for Nisuin to complete the marriage, even if it didn't actually have Bia yet, it's considered a full fledged Nisuin because they moved in together. 
Shema Amina, and because going into the Rishus Ha'av means Ba'alma, it's a general term. It's not necessarily have anything to do with, uh, you know, with the, the, the husband and wife consummating the marriage for Nisuin with marital relations. As long as he, she entered his home, what happens now is the penalty is going to change from Skila to Chanek. Okay, period. That's proven. End of that Gemara. We now get to the Mishnah. All right, here we go. Says the Mishnah, and now we're going to get into, um, we're going to turn our attention back into the name of our Masechta, which is Ksubos. We're going to focus on the Ksuba. So here we go. You should know. There's a halacha. A father is not obligated to support his daughter financially. Father's not obligated to financially support a daughter. All right. Zem medrish darish or blazman azari lefeicham. This is a medrish that blazman azari darish in front of the chachamim bekerem beYavne in the vineyards of Yavne. Now the vineyards of Yavne were already familiar with this. This is the expression of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's base medrash, the well-known incident between Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah and Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel was the Rosh Hashiva, and he used to keep a watchman at the entrance of the base medrash to make sure that any student that came into the yeshiva was tocho kibaro. Their inside was like their outside. Only the elite students were welcome to join the yeshiva. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah at the age of 18 came in, and he took over the yeshiva. He removed the watchman from the door. And he said, anybody who wants to come learn Torah is welcome to come join us, is welcome to come learn. And that day, they set up many, many rows of benches in the yeshiva. And that's why it's called kerem. Because the same way an orchard, uh, a vineyard has many, many rows when you look at a vineyard. So the base medrash became so large and there were so many students lined up in rows. They added shuros, shuros. So his yeshiva, the day he was appointed as, uh, as Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Lozman Azariah, became known as the Kerem in Yavne. So this is the medrash that Rabbi Lozman Azariah gave in Kerem Yavne, which is, Habonim Yershu Vahabonim Yezayna. Every ksuba should say, every ksuba should say that the son... And inherits the money. The son inherits the money um, of the ksuba, and the daughters need to be supported by the by the property of the father. Just like the sons only have any rights to the money once their father passes away as an inheritance. Says This is fascinating. So to the daughters. They only have rights to be supported from their father's property once he passes away. While he's here, there's no obligation. Once he's gone, the obligation kicks in. Fascinating Mishnah, and the Gemara is going to explain this. But let's just read this through. We should be bothered by this, right? There's a few things to be bothered by, but let's just say what the Mishnah stated. The Mishnah says, a father's not obligated in his lifetime. To, to financially support his daughters. Once he passes away, it seems his estate is obligated to. But when a father is alive, he's not obligated to. Okay? Now there's a couple things that also... B- besides, and, we, and, and we said that uh, he's obligated to support the sons. So he, oh, so that's going to be an interesting deal that Rabiel is making here. Rabiel says, 
well, are you obligated to support the sons? So the Gemara has to clarify over here why we're mentioning specifically the daughters. Why does it say that he's not chayav, he's not obligated, bimzonos bito? What, what, what do you mean the daughter? What about the sons? Why, what happened over there? So let's get into this. Says the Gemara. It seems to the Mishnah, a father is not obligated to support his daughters with food. It seems that a father is obligated to use his resources to give food to his sons. Says the Gemara, and also with his daughter, all it says is that a father is not obligated. Right? If you look at the words, what does it say? He's not obligated. But what should you imply from this? Ha-mitzvah ika. It is the right thing to do. So a couple things. First of all, it seems from the Mishnah, a father is not obligated to support his daughters, but he is obligated to support his sons. And even though you're not obligated to support your daughters, you still have a mitzvah to, it's still the right thing to do. Okay, that's how we're going to walk away understanding the Mishnah right now, to which the Gemara says, Mani Masnison, who authored this halacha? Who's the author of our Mishnah? Says the Gemara, It's not Remeir and it's not Rechim Ebreka, because you learned in a Brayso. There's a mitzvah. Now a mitzvah means it should be done. Sometimes a mitzvah means tziva, it's commanded. But very often in Gemara terms, we use the word mitzvah to be the proper thing. This is what Hashem wants, okay? So mitzvah is a mitzvah for a person to support his daughters. How much more so to your sons? Now why, if it's, if it's the right thing to support your daughters, should you also, is it certainly, should you be giving your sons food? You know why? Because sons have an obligation to learn Tyra. And in order to learn Tyra, you need to have energy, you need to have food in your belly, you need to be supportive. So sons that have the mitzvah, the command to learn Torah, how much more so is it the right thing for a father to take care of a child that's living a life dedicated to Torah? And we, we already have a message here. We already have an important message. We, as, as parents, what is, what is our priorities for our children? What's our priorities? If our children are living the life connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His Torah, it's a schus. It's a merit to support that. I don't know if I've ever lived up to this, but I can tell you when I was getting married, when I was engaged to be married, my father sat me down and he said, you know, you're going to be in Kolo for a, you know, however long you decide. I want you to know, it says in the Ksuba, you are supporting your wife. Not me, not your in-laws. You have a Ksuba for your wife. Nobody else is responsible to support your family. But I want to tell you something else. I'm proud of you that you're learning Tyra. It's a schus for me to help you learn Tyra. As long as you feel you're, you're steiging, I'm happy to help you if I'm able to. But realize, Aksuba is your responsibility. It's nobody else's achrayas to take care of your family. No, you, you have no rights to anybody else's money. That's a, that was the, the message. But is it a schus? Is it a merit to help support somebody who's able to sit and learn Torah? Of course. It's a tremendous. And that's the Gemara's, we, we already have this message. The Gemara says, a son that has a mitzvah be Isaac Torah and is sitting and learning Torah, of course the expectation is that a father is going to do that. Which parent doesn't want their child living a life, you know, uh, dedicated to, to the ultimate? Divi Rabbi Meir, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. 
says, There's a mitzvah to feed, support the sons, and how much more so to daughters. He flips it. He said, it's not a kavachomer to support the sons that are sitting and learning Torah. It's a kavachomer, if you're going to take care of your sons, how much more so the daughters. You know why? Mishum zilusa, midos. Midos. It's inappropriate to leave your children, your daughters, having to go out into the streets to, uh, to ask for food. It's, it's, it's zealous. Men are more comfortable being out there, you know, earning a living out. But you're, if you're, your daughters have a harder time doing that. And therefore, how much more so, midos-wise, should you be taking care of your daughters? Rabbi Yechimim says, And there's an obligation for one to support the daughters after the father dies, only after he's dead, with his estate. When the father's alive, either um, the both sons and daughters, there's no obligation at all. Okay? Now, seems pretty blanket, like... You, no, like you're not obligated to, and it's not even a mention of a mitzvah. It just says in a nizayin. That's it. In a nizayin, is in a nizayin. There's no, there's no chiyuv at all. Okay. So says the Gemara. Now that we mentioned these two, these two shitas, these two opinions. What's he saying? He says. Yeah, he says. He says while the father's alive, b'chayei aviam. The, the children have no rights to be supported by the father's estate. The father has no mitzvah to support his children. Either one. Either one. No Sons matter, or daughters. That's no right. Matter what you're doing. That's right. You're alive in the world. Go, go, go pick a tomato. I don't need to give you. Go find a tomato. That's it. Where does it say I have to give you anything? That's Abiyachim and Breka's opinion. Now let's, now let's understand it. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, money must listen. So who is the author? Who's the author of this Mishnah? Ereb Meir. It can't be Reb Meir. I'll tell you why. If it would be Reb Meir Ha'amar Bana Mitzvah. He says that when it comes to a son, there is a mitzvah to support them. Now our Mishnah said, when it comes to sons, there's a chiv. That was the implication, right? Because it says a father's not chayiv for the daughter, but we, made it, we implied that a son would be obligated. So according to Reb Meir, you're not obligated, just a mitzvah. And if it's Reb Yehuda, he says that sons also is a mitzvah. He says it's not, it's not necessarily even the right thing to do. It's not even a mitzvah. It's not even the expectation. So who's the time of our Mishnah? The Gemara says, It could be any one of the three, and we'll explain how. How could it be either Shita? It could be any one of uh, any one of the three opinions will work out to be the the Tana of our Mishnah. And let's get into this. You could say that it's the opinion of Rameyer, Bachikamar, and this is what our Mishnah means. Their father's not obligated to take care of his daughter's food. And this applies as well to sons. What, what, what are we going to imply? Now, it means that fine, there's no obligation. But is there a mitzvah? Is it the right thing to take care of your daughter? Yeah. And if it's the right thing, take care of your daughters, Mizainus, how much more so your sons, because what was the logic we gave? They're Isaac Betaira. The Haidiktani Bitai. And the reason why we said, uh, we, we mentioned the case of Bitai first, 
the chiddush over here is that even by a by a daughter, it's still the right thing to do, even though there's no Torah here. You're going to say it's my daughter. Let her go uh, pick a tomato. Say no. It's the mitzvah. It's the right thing for a person to support their child, whether or not they are studying Torah. So therefore we say there's no obligation to support your daughter, but I want you to imply it is the right thing to do. Ah, where's the Torah? doesn't matter. It's your daughter, you take care of her. Okay? Vibay same Rabbi Yehuda. Or you could say it's Rabbi Yehuda. We're now uh, second line on Memtesim and Beis. Vahachi Kamar. And this is what we mean. Ha'avi dechayim zainus bita. If I was not obligated in the, in the mezainus of his daughter, the koshkein lebenai, and if you're not obligated to support your daughter, certainly you're not obligated to support your son. Now, what was the logic that way? Because it's it's embarrassing for the daughter to have to go out collecting. Now, hamitzvah bebenai ika. There is a mitzvah for the son. It's the right thing to do. And this why we, and the reason why our Mishnah gave an example of a daughter. Even by the the daughter, which has the logic of of zealous, where we don't want it to to be uh, for it to be degrading for the children to go out there and have to beg for their food or whatever it is. We still say, you know what? It's the right thing to do. But as far as can we say, it's a it's an absolute obligation. That's created on the father to to uh, extend himself in that way as an as an obligation. No, that's not an obligation. Or you could say that even Rebbechim and Breika fits in with our Mishnah and this is what we mean. A father doesn't have the obligation for the mezainus of his daughter. And there's also no obligation for the son. And you should know that even as far as doing the right thing, it's not you don't need to do that for your children either. But since after a person dies, there's an obligation for us to use his estate to support the daughters. Therefore, we use that expression of In other words, it's Dafka. It's not specific to the word chayev. But since we're going to be using that word after he dies to say that we do have a chayev, we do have an obligation to use his estate to support the daughters, so we use that expression during his lifetime as well. Okay? Now, let's get into some practical halacha now. We want to know, bottom line, we've been searching for some sources for a parent's obligation to support their children. So here we go. Amar Rabbi La, Amar Reish Lakish, Rabbi La says in the name of Reish Lakish, Mishum Rabbi Yudah ben Hanina, who was quoting Rabbi Yudah ben Hanina, Be'usha Hiskinu. They made a decree in Usha. What was the decree, this rabbinic decree in Usha? It's a decree, not a biblical obligation. The decree is, if your children are kitanim, minors, the rabbis made an obligation. You are obligated to support them financially. Make sure they have food in their bellies. They have enough for whatever they need. You hear this? So it's a rabbinic decree. This is what they established as a community. So the Gemara says, they asked the question on this decree. 
Hilchus or Kavase, or you ain't Hilchus or Kavase. Nowadays, we don't live in Usha. Are we obligated to do like Usha? Or not? Toshma, come and listen. They, would, they came in front of Yehuda, they were having a problem. There were families where fathers weren't spending their money to take care of their children. And Amar Lahu and Rabbi Yehuda said, Yarud Yalda. Yarud Yalda. Rashi says, Yarud is an animal that does not care about its children. Yalda gave birth. Avne Mosa Shadya. And it it um Mosa and on the people of the city, Shadya, he threw his personal obligation. So this is interesting. Listen to what happens. There were people who weren't supporting their children. Rabbi Yehuda says, we're gonna call them names. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna call them names. We're gonna call them animals and say that your animals for throwing, for acting like these animals that don't care about their children. Now, according to this response, it seems it's not a real obligation. And I'll tell you why. See, in general, we've learned as we've gone through the laws of finances, if a person has a real financial obligation to pull through on something, you know what the court has a right to do? Take their, take their assets. Hefker, Bezdin, Hefker. Over here, he's not, the courts are not taking their assets. What they're doing is, is they're creating some sort of social pressure around this person who's doing the wrong thing. Right? So he said, he's calling them names and saying, but, but as far as going down and, and taking from, from their assets, Rabbi Yehuda didn't do that. So it seems the halacha is not to do what they enacted in Usha. It's the wrong thing if parents don't do this. If parents don't support their children. But you can't take away their assets. The same type of thing came in front of Ravchista. Omar Lahu, Ravchista said, Asisa Bitsipura. Go. Um, it's an expression, Rashi says, it's an expression of announcing. Go proclaim um, in the Tzibur, the Lakum Velema. And get up and say, Orva boi bone, uh, a rave, a raven wants its children. This means like, uh, you know, like the, a, a raven, like a bird. Even a raven that's an animal of prey, and it uh, apparently when there's a baby raven, the parents don't fully recognize it. So they don't feel close. But as the raven gets older, it starts to, you start to see more and more, the, the parents see more of the child in them. It's, they, they start to get their color back. Sounds a little bit like humans, you know? Right? A baby's born, it's like, all right, no, baby, baby. And then obviously you, get, you start getting older. You see a little bit of your upbringing in yourself. Yeah? So it says, a raven likes its children. And this guy is not even as good as a raven. So Rav Chista as well, again, had an announcer go out, put financial pressure, but as far as obligating and taking money away from the guy to support his daughters, we didn't force that. The erva boy bane says the Gemara, do ravens want its children? Yeah, the, the, the children of the raven that calls out, like Hasha, 
a white raven it is not wanted, but a black raven is wanted again because it's it starts to identify uh, the, the parent starts to identify in the child. Also, the kamei the rava when they would bring the same incident in front of rava, Omar Lay rava would say the mitzani He would say to the guy, "What are you so pathetic? What do you want? You want your children to to be dependent on a pushka?" Again, so that was the extent of the pressure that he could put on the parents, but he didn't take their money away. All right, bottom line is, and interestingly, this bottom line, they enacted an usha, parents obligated to support kitanim. And when we ask the question, it seems we're asking the question about kitanim. Once you get to a certain age or stage of godless, there's, there's supposed to be a weaning off that takes place where parents no longer have that obligation to financial obligation where to the children. Where does it say that? Huh? Where does it say that? Um, on the, so on the top of the Amud, it says that, that in Usha, they were misaking for that a, a person should, should um, be zon as banavu bunaisav kishahin kitanim. They never enact. They never enacted that a person had this responsibility. So then when we ask the question, what about us? That question is really about us with Ketanim. The question wasn't even about Gedolim because the assumption is that at a certain point, you know, um, you know, a, uh, certainly a, a parent doesn't shoulder that responsibility forever. Okay. Says the Gemara, Amaran Ella Amid. You should know this halacha only applies when you can't expect the father to be able to withstand these expenses. Aval Amid, if a parent can withstand these expenses, Kafinan Layal then we we force him to support his children. Al means against his will. Says Rashi, why? This is incredible. Says Rashi, why? Because the same way we force you, if you're able to give tzedakah to somebody else, we'll force you to give that tzedakah. Why are your children any different? Now this has a lot of halachic ramifications. And without getting into a specific psak, but a question may be asked. Once a person's child has reached adulthood, and the shaila is in our society, what's adulthood? Can I be using my miser money to support them? Are they considered a poor person? To me, they're certainly not any worse. If I could use my tzedakah money to support the guy down the block, why can't, and my child's also in need, why can't I use that money to support my child? So this is a in, very interesting uh, shaila that, you know, in conversation that could be had. But it's based off of this Rashi. Rashi says, if a person is financially capable, so we'll tell him, you go take care of your kids. Same way you're, you're obligated to take care of any yid. Rava, a force of Nasim Barami, apparently who had a lot of money, and he took 400 zuz for tzedakah. He was able to afford it. They needed tzedakah. And he says, I'm taking this amount of money to, to uh, be given. Okay. Amalei Revila, Amalei Shlakish. Revila says the name of Revila Shlakish. Busha, Skinu, they establish an Usha. Hakaisiv, Konachos of Lebanon. A person who writes over all of his property should go to his sons. Huve, Ishtai, Nezunimehem. Him and his wife, Nezunimehem, are still allowed 
to use that property. Okay, so assume the case right now is as follows. A guy is not writing a will after I die. He writes, I've got $5 million. I'm giving it all over to my children. That, he wrote a contract now. They enacted an ULA, in USHA that if somebody does this, even though it's all written over to his children's name, his children are obligated to use that money to support him and his wife. Even greater than this, they said, His widow, it could be used from his property. So him and his wife, how much more so are, uh, could be you know, using this property? Okay, meaning it's not a chiddush. If, his own, if he would be gone and his wife won't use the property, it would be allowed. How much more so should he be allowed to use something that was his own property? The Shalach Ravan Bigarte, Rav wrote in Igeres, Rav wrote in a letter, Misha Meis Veheniach Hamano Obas, a person dies, he leaves behind a widow and a daughter, Amonis Nizanis Minachasav, his widow is allowed to use his property, Nisei Sabas, when his daughter marries, Amonasai Nizanis Minachasav. So the Amona is still allowed to use his property, but Mesa Habal, not but, Mesa Habal, let's say, Habas, let's say the daughter now dies. Now we have a little bit of a problem because now you have the son-in-law who's inheriting this money because he's going to now inherit his wife. So this happened, the story happened with me. And they said that even though the money is now owned by the son-in-law, because he got it from his wife, who was the daughter, that property, that estate, still needs to be used to support the widow. So again, how much more so? Is it not a chiddish? Is it not a novel idea to tell me that if he's around, he can also use that property? So Gemara says, No, it's still a chiddish, because I would have thought to say, You know, when he's dead, and there's just a widow, so of course use the estate to support her. There's nobody there to be the breadwinner for her. But over here, he's still alive. But over here, granted, he wrote over his property to the family, but he can still go work, come out of retirement. So I would say he's not allowed to, he, he can't demand that everything that he wrote over, that he wrote over to everybody else goes back to him. All right, go back and get a job. You gave it away. What do you want? So the Kiddush over here is that no, we don't say that. We don't say go get a job. And he's allowed to hold on to, uh, he's allowed to use that property that he wrote over. They asked the question, searching for information. Is this the halacha or not? So Gemara says, Toshma, come and listen. They were standing and somebody came down and kissed Rabbi Yechanan on his knees. Omar Lay Rabbi Khanin Rabbi Khina said, My hi, why is this guy kissing you on the knees? Omar Lay, he said, Kaisev Nechosov Levanavu. This guy wrote over his property to his children, top of tomorrow's daf, the Asesinhu Lizane, and I forced the children to use the money to give him what to eat. And if you're going to tell me the halacha is not like this, Mishum Hachi Asainu, that's why he kissed. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. That, um, if we say it's not like Rabbi Lai, that's why he forced them to feed the father. Because, you know, why is he kissing Rabbi Yechanan? Rabbi Yechanan, if that's the halacha, that's the halacha. Rabbi Yechanan didn't do anything special for him. It must be, by forcing the children, he did something above and beyond what was obligated. Eliyam Medina, if you're going to say the halacha, this is the din, asinu boy, 
So what right did he have to force, uh, to force the children? Bottom line is, you see from here, that ultimately the halacha does not follow Rebbe Elah. We'll hold it here for today. We're up to Amr Rebbe Elah on the third line. We'll hold it here for today. Bezshem, we'll pick up from here tomorrow evening, same time. Have a wonderful, wonderful night, everybody. <laughs>